Once more, good morning, everybody. Good to see you here. My name is Tim Harris. If you're joining us by way of audio or video podcast, or if you're in the cafe this morning, uh, God bless you. We're glad that you're here. Open your Bibles to the book of Isaiah. I'm in the concluding message of a sermon series entitled Animal Kingdom. If you haven't caught on to the secret yet, this is really not so much a sermon series about animals. It is. It's all about the creatures that God has made. It's all about that. But it's also a doctrinal series. First week, we talked about the doctrine of creation. Uh, Last week, we talked about the doctrine of redemption. Today, I want us to talk about the afterlife, what comes next. And that takes us to the book of Isaiah chapter 11. And the burning question that people are asking, do pets go to heaven? Uh, So let's talk about that. And it's a serious question. And it's a Amazing, amazing topic today. Let's let's take a look at what the Word of God says. The United States is becoming an increasingly pet-centered society. I think we can all say that. Uh, We live in the country, so we've always lived around animals and with animals. And so they probably mean something to us that city folk don't always relate to. But but more and more and more, people are just insisting on taking their animals with them everywhere they go. And some of you may be in in, in that sort of frame of mind. Uh, I was in Subway restaurant, you know, my other office, I was at Subway uh, eating lunch the other day and and there was a beagle, beagle dog like running loose, like somebody brought it in probably on a leash, but then took it off the leash. So the dog is just running around Subway barking at us. And um, that's just interesting. Um, I mean, I mean, that there was a dog in a public restaurant and, and nobody would say anything. And apparently, I, I don't know, I, I guess the person felt like they needed their dog in Subway. Uh, I didn't need their dog in Subway, but, but uh, we don't always get a lot of say in these things. Uh, more and more, we're hearing uh, news reports of people taking all kinds of animals on airplanes um, now, the American with Disabilities Act did allow for service animals to be allowed in public places, and these are animals that are trained to perform a certain task uh, for a disabled uh, animal owner, and, and, and animals are wonderful and intelligent and able to do so much for us. Um, but not every animal being carried around these days is exactly a trained service animal, uh, and sometimes on airplanes, people are beginning to stretch the, the rules a little bit. I read this past week that a miniature horse flew all the way to California in first class, dressed as a Mexican luchador. Um, flew a, a long flight. They got the horse a first class ticket but so it would have lots of room. Uh, that's a quote from the owner. Um, and, and from the air, airlines, we're hearing reports every single week, it seems like. There have been uh, uh, squirrels, like companion squirrels that were on airplanes, uh, all sorts of rodents. Uh, there's at least one duck with a diaper that I read about, which is interesting. I, I wouldn't have mind sitting next to him. Um, it's just interesting that in, in our culture right now, uh, we've become so very pet-centered. And you have to at least recognize that, among other things, this is a reflection on our wealth and prosperity. Uh, we have more pets than any other time in history because we can afford to take care of them. And we're spending an astronomical amount of money on animals. Uh, the typical millennial these days doesn't mind spending more money on their animal than they would spend on their own health care for a year. Um, millennial couples now will often buy their first house, not with questions about their growing family, but more they want to buy a house that will suit the needs of their animals. Understand that they want a house that suits 
animals. More and more often, our senior adults are abandoned by their families to just live there with their animals. Uh, More and more often, young couples are choosing not to have children, simply to invest all of their attention and affection upon pets. Uh, Again, I'm just making observations. There's no judgment so much in that, except that I do think this says something about our spiritual lives. So if people expect to take their animals with them everywhere, will they be taking them to heaven? Uh, That's the question we asked this morning. And for that, we're going to go to Isaiah chapter 11, uh, a very famous prophecy, a very famous picture of the world to come, the life to come. And it's beautiful. Isaiah chapter 11, verse 6. Let's talk about heaven. Here we go. In that day, the wolf and the lamb will live together. Wolf, lamb, together. The leopard will lie down with the baby goat. The calf and the yearling will be safe with the lion. And, say it, a little child will lead them all. What? Get that child out of No, it's safe. Everything is good. The cow will graze near the bear. The cub and the calf will lie down together. The lion will eat hay like a cow. Good. The baby will play safely near the hole of a, say it, cobra. Yes, a little child will put its hand in a nest of deadly snakes without harm. Where is his mama, right? Nothing will hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain. For as the waters fill the sea, so the earth will be filled with people who know the Lord. Nothing will hurt or destroy. Isn't that good? It is good. But something tells me that that we fail in very many ways when we try to think about or talk about heaven. I, I think we fail. I think what we have is a, is a painfully tragic failure of faith and imagination when it comes to heaven. As a church, let's just be honest, we spend a lot more time praying that people won't die and go to heaven than we do trying to keep people out of hell. There's something, something strange about our concept of heaven. I guess in some ways, let's just go ahead, we can just blame the preachers. We've done most of the talking, we've preached most of the funerals, and, and one way or the other, we have not managed to describe heaven in a way where any of our people would actually be happy to go there. Let's just be honest. When I grew up, I remember my preacher who was, seemed often in a bad mood. Um, and uh, I remember uh, more than one time on a Sunday morning, if, if anybody looked at their watch, he'd like stop and yell at them. And, uh, and so uh, he would say that if you can't get through a one-hour church service without looking at your watch, you're going to be miserable in heaven. Which suggests What? That heaven is what? A church service that never ends. Who wants to go? I mean, I mean, just honestly, honestly, made heaven sound like a church service that just never, ever ends. And, and honestly, as a boy growing up in church, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, the thought was terrifying. I mean, I had trouble. I mean, I still have trouble. I mean, some of, some of the sermons in this church are too long. 
You know, even I'm counting the ceiling lights, I mean, on certain days. I mean, I mean a church service that never ends, that, that is a painfully inadequate concept of eternity with Jesus. Let's just be honest. Now, you add to that sort of the, 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 the questions, the, the suspicions, the, the kinds of things that, that people begin to ask and, and question about heaven. And pretty soon you really get the idea that we really don't have a very uh, uh, positive view of, of what Christ has prepared for us. More than one time in 24 years of being your pastor, I've been asked, will there be golf in heaven? Like by men, and their the assumption is, if you tell me no, I ain't going. And I hate to say, dude, you you don't have a lot of options, you know. But still, it's an idea that will there be golf? And, and actually, you could fill in the blank because you do in all sorts of ways. You ask, will there be, you know, will there be blank in heaven? And, and the the assumption is, if there's not, it's not gonna be a good place, you know. Will there be pizza in in heaven? Uh, my favorite. Just crazy question. And, and let's just say, and, and, and you may ask it, and I'm telling you, you're crazy when you ask it, all right? The craziest question of all is, Pastor Tim, will we know each other up there? Okay. Why would you ask that? Like, where would you get the, 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 where would you get the idea that we're going to get there and forget each other? Like, that's just horrifying. Like, we're all going to walk around heaven blank and, and lonely and anonymous, you know, not knowing who anybody is. I mean, will we, if we all went to Franklin, would we know each other? I mean, I don't understand why you think that somehow the journey to heaven is going to erase. And, and I mean, that's horrible. Like we're walking around like zombies who, who don't know. Or I mean, I don't know. I don't even understand where that comes from. Stop asking me that. You know, just stop. Stop. That question doesn't make any sense. That question has no basis in Scripture, but it just continues to reveal the fact that, that in our deepest imagination, we don't picture heaven as a very appealing place. Now, in all the cartoons, uh, there are white robes and wings, and people sit around on clouds and play harps, and that sounds like fun, honestly, for about 15 minutes. But we're talking about an eternity. Is that your picture? Wings and harps and clouds? But because I'm telling you, if that's your picture, you've really got to come back to God's word. You've got to ask the Holy Spirit to restore your faith and your hope and your imagination. So that you can understand what God has prepared for those of us who love him. Now, the problem is we basically imagine heaven as a place with all of the pleasures of earth minus all the pains. So we take the, the temporary pleasures, the things we love on earth, and we just imagine a place called heaven where we have all the things we love minus all the things we don't love. Now, let me just say, I, I don't know what else we could do. I mean, that's all we have. This earth, this life is all that we know. And this life and this earth, as fallen and broken as it is, this old world is sweet, you all. I mean, I, I, I love this world. I love this life. I love creation. 
I love every single moment of every single day that, I, that I'm blessed to be your pastor, that I'm blessed to be Casey's husband, Wade's father. I, I mean, I, I just love life. And so when you tell me that, that Jesus has prepared for me an eternal life, all I can do is try to take all of those things that I know down here and plug them in up there and then take away all the things that I don't like down here and, and just expect that, that they'll be gone forever. And the scripture says they are. You understand? And so from that, I just try to imagine what heaven will be. But the problem is I can't imagine and, and, and you can't imagine either. You just have no idea. Absolutely no idea. Now, the one thing I really want to emphasize is that heaven can't be less than. It can't be less than. You say, well, less than what? Less than anything. It can't be less than anything. You see, that's the thing. You say, well, Pastor Sam, we're going to play golf in heaven? Because you're thinking, man, golf is when I'm happiest. When I'm on the golf course, you know, playing the game I love in, in, in the middle of, of, of a beautiful place, I, I feel like I'm in heaven. I can't imagine anything better. And I'm telling you, heaven won't be less than golf, whether or not there's golf there. It won't be less than. It can't be less than. You see, and so when you say, well, you know, will there be blank in heaven? And I, I don't know how you fill in the blank, you know. Will there be, you know, will, will there be pets in heaven? Will there be sex in heaven? Will there be pizza in, in heaven? You know, will, will there be, uh, you, know, you know, video games in heaven? I mean, whatever, wherever you go, you know, however you fill in the blank. Uh, understand, I promise you, I promise you, when you get to heaven, there won't be any letdown. Nobody is going to stop themselves in heaven and think, ah, oh, this place is pretty good, but it would be so much better if only it had golf. You understand? You'll never stop and think that. There's not going to be any letdown. You're not going to get to heaven and be disappointed. You have to understand that. You're not for a moment going to stop and think, oh gosh, if only we had, you know, television. I, I promise you, no. I, I promise you. I promise you, there's going to be no letdown because heaven cannot be less than. It can only be greater than. It can only be infinitely greater than. Keith Green used to say that, you know, the scripture says that God created the heavens and the earth in seven days, but that Jesus says, I've gone to prepare a place for you. And Jesus said that 2,000 years ago. So if God created all of this in seven days, but he's been preparing a place for us for 2,000 years, Keith Green says, this must be like living in a garbage can compared to what we have waiting for us. Do you understand what I'm saying? It can't be less than. It can't be less than. It can only be greater than. It can only be infinitely greater than. Heaven is magnificent beyond words because Jesus is magnificent beyond words. Beyond words. Now, understand, words are all we got. Words. I mean, I'm filling up a whole lot of time right now with words, and I'm trying to talk about heaven, but words are all I have. I have the word of God, but even the word of God uses human language, words. And human language, words have developed so that we can describe and name and talk about things down here. You with me? So words can only describe things down here. And so if I want to describe something I've never seen before, something I can't even imagine or know about, my only option is to use the things I know down here, the words down here. 
And so the Bible is filled with, with images of heaven, glimpses of heaven, but it's always described in sort of in terms of things we know, things down here. And you have to realize that those words can't describe it. Those words cannot possibly capture it. When we talk about a place with a lion laying down with a lamb, it's a, the Old Testament always has kind of a country view of the life to come. Because the, the, the Old Testament culture, the, the ancient Hebrews lived in a, in a pastoral environment with sheep and animals and, and lots and lots of nature. So whenever they imagine, whenever God reveals them a picture of heaven, it's, it, it's like that. It's nature, it's, it's animals, it's lions laying down with lambs and the child unharmed by a nest full of snakes. I mean, it's just that beautiful picture of creation restored to ultimate harmony. But when you get to the New Testament in the Roman Empire, full of city folks, how do they picture heaven? How does the Holy Spirit reveal heaven to them? It's a place where there's a city with paved streets. Now, the streets are paved with gold, but it's a city. Do you understand? It's a city. City people kind of imagine the city, and country people kind of imagine the country. But I'm telling you, no matter how you imagine it, you can't imagine it. You're just doing the best you can with what you know, with the words you have, with the pleasures that you've experienced, but you can't possibly imagine. If you doubt me on this, why don't I just show you what the Word of God says? No eye has seen, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. You have no idea. You can't even imagine. So when you start thinking about what heaven is like and you start trying to imagine all the wonderful things that are there, just remember, you have no idea. You can't even imagine. And if you start thinking about all the things that you hope are there that might not be there, just understand, if they're not there, there is something there so much greater, so much infinitely more pleasurable that you'll never stop and think, oh gosh, I sure wish I had my tractor. You won't. You won't. You never will. You will not stand in heaven for a single moment and wish for anything back here. You just won't. It's like living in a garbage can down here compared to what we have up there. No eye has seen. No ear has heard. You've never seen anything like it. you never heard anything like it. You have no idea what God has prepared for those who love him. You have no idea. You can't even imagine. In your wildest imagination, it's not wild enough. You understand? I really want to go. Can I just stop right now and say, I really want to go. I, I really want to go. I mean, even on the next load, you know, if, if, like I'll go now. I really want to go. Why would we not? You understand? I, I mean, what is it that makes us so attached to this life that we think of our home in heaven and we hope not today. In the New Testament, one of the most ancient prayers we know is Lord Jesus, come. You know, take me home now, just come now. Shut it all down, turn off the lights, let's go now. I mean, those who walked with Jesus and those who loved Jesus, they really wanted to be with Jesus. Come now, take me now. You have no idea. 
no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no human mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. I, I personally just want to go. Now, I love this one. Psalm 1611. In your presence, there is, say this word, fullness of joy. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. I, I love this so much. I love it so much. So actually, the, the psalm was written in the Hebrew language, and the word joy is actually plural there. So we would have to say there is fullness of joys, which is amazing. But this is part of why you can't even imagine the glories of heaven. Because you've never experienced any pleasure on earth that was full. Think about it. You've never ever had a moment of anything in this life that when it was over, you couldn't imagine some way it could have been better. Man, that ice cream was so good, I just wish we had some hot fudge. Right? That's a Diane Harris quote right there. Um, gosh, you know, that, that concert was so wonderful. It's just a little bit loud, you know. There's, there's always something. It, it, it was so, so good, but then it was over. Because that's the other thing. Every pleasure you've ever known in this life was temporary. It's all temporary. Everything in this life is temporary. It's not meant to last forever. It's not meant to be praised forever. It's not meant to receive your eternal devotion. Everything in this world is temporary. It, it, it passes away. There are pleasures here, no doubt. There are wonderful, wonderful blessings of God, no doubt. We experience them all the time. We're just not grateful enough for all, all of the wonderful wonderful aspects of living in God's good creation. But, but the joys aren't full here. The, the Hebrew word here is, is, I mean, I don't know what you think of with full. The, the word is satiation. In, in your presence, there is satiation of joys. Am I saying it right? Sa satiation. What does that mean? What's it mean to be satiated? Um, you can have a sponge, and a sponge can have water in it, but, but what is a sponge that is satiated? What does that mean? It, saturated, yeah. It, it can't even hold any more water. Like, it's got all the water that it can possibly contain. And this is what we're pointing to here. In the presence of the Lord, in glory, you know, where you will be with him, there is a satiation of joys. In other words, every pleasure is, is full. It is rich. You can't possibly say, wow, if only, you know, this could be so much better if. No, no, it couldn't possibly be better. It is more joy than your heart can possibly absorb. It, it overflows. It runs off. I'm telling you, there's fullness there. You've never known fullness. You've known pleasure. You've known joy. But it never lasted long enough it was never absolutely perfect. It was never absolutely even designed to fill up your heart. But in your presence, oh God, there is fullness, there is satiation of joys. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Personally, I want to go there. Can I just say it? I want to go. It is not like a church service that never ends. As a matter of fact, I wish I could go back in time and tell my preacher that according to scripture, the only thing down here that absolutely won't be up there is preaching. It's what the Bible says. 
there will be no need for anybody to say, hey, you should know the Lord because everybody's going to know the Lord. So it will not be a church. I mean, I will be out of a job, which is fine with me. No no preaching up there. But will there be pets? Isaiah chapter 11, go back with me. In that day... The wolf and the lamb will live together. The leopard will lie down with the baby goat. The calf and the yearling will be safe with the lion. A little child will lead them all. Cow will graze near the bear. The cub and the calf will lie down together. The lion will eat hay like a cow. Baby will pay safely near the hole of a cobra. A little child will put its hand in a nest of deadly snakes without harm. The snakes won't be deadly, you understand? There's nothing to hurt or harm or destroy in all my holy mountain. So we're getting this picture of heaven. So, so, so just a couple of things. Understand this, that the new creation, what, what God has for us, will be more alive with creatures, more diverse and more infinitely glorious than, than, than anything we've known in this world. We know this. God, when God creates, he, he fills things. He, he loves to fill things with life and a diversity of life. God said, let, let, let the sky be filled with birds. And birds just scattered, exploded into the sky. And it wasn't just one kind of bird. It was all kinds of birds. It was ugly birds. It was beautiful birds. It was birds so tiny and fragile and birds so giant and glorious. I mean, God just clapped his hands and scattered the birds into the sky. God said, let the sea be filled with fish. And instantly, fish of all kinds just swim, giant leviathan sea monsters and tiny little fish. I mean, just all kinds of fish. And all of that brings God glory. And all of that is his delight. God just loves to be creative. All of it brings him glory. And it it is a delight for him to create like this. And so don't think for a moment that the new creation is going to be less than. It's going to be greater than. It's going to be all the creatures that we've ever known. I mean, I think right here the impression in Isaiah chapter 11 is that you're going to recognize a lot of the animals. It's just you've never been this close to them. I I promise you, Nancy McElroy's never been this close to a cobra. When we were building this building from across the street, one day somebody said they saw a snake crawling before we had doors, saw a snake crawling in here, and Nancy McElroy said she'd never worship here. There's a snake in here somewhere, maybe. You understand? Snakes in heaven. Cobras. Cows. Wolves. Lions. All the creatures that you've known. Plus, I'll remind you, creatures that we've heard about through Scripture but never seen. because, Because it's the spirit world, right? And we know that every time the curtain's been pulled back and we glimpse into heaven, there are creatures, flying creatures with multiple wings and, and creatures we've never even imagined, never seen anything like. And I'm just telling you, the new creation is going to be alive with animals, creatures like you've never imagined. A lot of them you've seen before, some you've never seen before. All of them free, all of them tame. Nothing to harm, nothing to hurt. I mean, you understand that? All creatures will coexist in perfect harmony with nothing to hurt, harm, or fear. I just think it's glorious. All the creatures, and and, and nothing is killing, and nothing is dying anymore. Now, if my dog, Augie, gets to heaven, she'll have to chase squirrels, but probably on alternating days, they'll chase her. Because you understand, it's just harmony. It's peace. Beautiful. Everything aligns in perfect harmony with God's love, with God's will. Heaven is a magnificent place. But will your pets be there? I mean, to say that there are animals there 
that doesn't necessarily mean that the animals you've known go there. Let's just be honest, we don't know. Because the Bible doesn't say. The Word of God does not say if, if our specific pets will be there. And if you know anything at all about my preaching, one of the things I've always promised you is I won't go beyond what the Bible says. So if the Bible doesn't have a clear answer, I won't have a clear answer. So I don't know. The Bible doesn't specifically answer that question, so I can't specifically answer that question. Disappointed? Um, I don't know. Some say, well, Pastor Tim, animals don't have souls, and you're correct. We are created higher and placed over, and we're worth more to God. We are ensouled with God's own breath. Animals not created in that way. But honestly, I mean, if God can create animals to live in this world without souls, he can create them to live without souls in the next world. I mean, he's God, right? right? I mean, so he, he can do that. So, so heaven will reflect God's ultimate will and God's ultimate choices, and God is free to do whatever pleases him. And if it pleases him to give us our animals there, then, then, then we will. Can I say a couple of things, though? Can I just be really honest, just as your pastor? Um, the, the fact that some of us are so heartbroken about the idea that, that, that our dog or cat or ferret, chicken, duck in a diaper might not be there. Like the fact that that bothers you so much, but you're not as bothered by the fact that your grandchildren might not be there or, or your neighbors or most of the population of the nation of China. I, I mean, do you, do you understand what I'm saying here? The, the fact that you are so attached and love a creature this much, it, I, I don't know your heart, but you've got to search your own heart if, if, if that is really the way you think. And honestly, if in your mind Jesus isn't enough in this life and in the life to come, if, if the idea that heaven won't be heaven, you know, without a pet, you really need to get back to who Jesus is and what Jesus is worth. I, so I, I can't say, I, I don't know. But whenever we have a question like this where the Bible doesn't have a clear answer, the next step then is to look for principles, to look for the other things that the Bible says clearly that, that, that might apply. And so that's what I do. And so let me just walk you through sort of now we're, this isn't a clear word. We can all disagree from this point on. But, but let me show you kind of how my, how my brain works. Um, and the question of whether or not, my, my, we'll just say my dog, Augie, will be my dog, Augie, in, in heaven. Um, one, of the, one of the clear things we do know, because Jesus says it in Matthew chapter 22, verse 30, I believe, Jesus says very clearly that in heaven there won't be any marriage. I mean, y'all know that, right? I mean, I mean, you know, don't look at me like that. I mean, there just won't be marriage. Remember when you got married, I mean, it was clear, it was clear you said what till... Till death do us part, absolutely. And so one of the things we do know is that there's not marriage. Jesus makes that clear. 
Now, again, heaven can't be less than. So, so before you freak out, heaven can't be less than. So that's not to say that I'm going to get to heaven in case you won't know me. She'll probably try to act like she doesn't at first, but y'all just, you know, she will know me. She will know me. Ain't no forgetting all this, girl. I mean, you're going to know me up there. Of course we'll know each other. Of course we'll be reunited in heaven. Heaven's not less than. It's not, not going to get up there and just go, I'm going to be scrambled. You understand? Of course we'll be reunited with loved ones. Of course we will. Of course I'll be in heaven with Casey. Of course I will. But the implication is Casey and I together will be take up, taken up into something prepared by the Lord that's so much greater, infinitely greater. It's better than marriage. I mean, it's not going to be less than, but it's going to be greater than. It's not going to be marriage. So, so I can't necessarily say that I'll be your husband or she'll be my wife, but it's going to be something better. Uh, our relationship, our, our unity, the, the pleasure of knowing each other, the pleasure of knowing everybody, it's just going to be greater. It's just greater. So do you understand that? So bottom line, if, if Casey's not exactly going to be my wife in heaven, I have a hard time thinking Aggie's going to be my dog. I mean, you understand what I'm saying? I mean, that's just as plain as I can put it. Because I think all of the pleasures, everything that we've known down here, all the best moments, all the best blessings, all they can do is just point us toward the blessings we can't even imagine or know. Think, well, if there's no marriage, I'm not going. Well, you really don't. I mean, you've really only got two options. And honestly... That little word right there from Jesus must be an amazing blessing for single people who think, finally, finally, tired of walking around, you know? Yeah, you will, you will not, you will not as a single person be left out of the reward. You understand? It's, everything good down here is just multiplied and, and superseded by pleasures that you can't even imagine or not. It's kind of like, let's make a deal. <laughs> yeah, I know I'm old. Uh, you know, let's make a deal. You've got like door number one and you can see the prize here and it's, it's really good. But you could also have what's behind door number two, but you have to be willing to give up door number one for the sake of what you can't see behind door number two. We're kind of in that situation. It's like, you know, everything in this life is so good and it's like door number one, but... but but, but Jesus says, I've got something waiting for you behind door number two. And I'm just telling you right now, you take door number two. What he has for you, you, you can't imagine. One of my favorite ways to think about it is a story I tell you all the time. I want to tell it to you again. One day I was invited to breakfast at Orber Kerpesky's. Orber's with the Lord now, but at that time she was one of our senior ladies and she was Magnificent. Orber invited me over for breakfast, and Orber was, you just have to know Orber, she was a country lady, a country kitchen, awesome. <laughs> and so she invited me for breakfast, and so I, I went to her house early one morning, and it was a cold winter day, and y'all know how much I love that, and <laughs> walked into her house, it was 98.6, it was so awesome <laughs> in her house, and walked straight into the kitchen, and she sat me down at the table and right there by the warm stove. And man, I was, it, was, it was so good. It was just, it was great. And Orba pulled out this giant bowl of oatmeal, which I love. I love. And it wasn't like a little bowl. Like in our house, like all the bowls are little. But, but like Orba, like I'm thinking, is this like for a family? I mean, 
or we all, because it was a bowl like this big of oatmeal, but, but y'all, um, it, it was hot meal, it was steaming, it had the, the biggest chunks of butter, <laughs> you know, cut in the top, and then just crumbled brown sugar that was melting, oh, it, it was just so amazing, and uh, so I sat there, and I, I ate that oatmeal with Orbra and her son Dewey, and uh, we just talked, and it was, it was just the sweetest morning ever. It was just so wonderful. I ate that oatmeal slow and sat by that warm stove. I could have sat there all day long, and probably Orba thought I was going to. Um, and then uh, after I finished that amazing bowl of oatmeal, I just said, Orba, thank you so much for breakfast. I've enjoyed this so much. And Orba said, what? That wasn't breakfast. That was just oatmeal. And Orba turned around and opened that oven door and took out platters, platters of bacon and sausage, a platter of pancakes, <laughs> eggs, warm biscuits, apple butter. I had no idea. Do you understand what I'm describing to you? I thought the oatmeal was awesome. That's more butter and brown sugar than Casey would ever let me have, you know, in, in one city. Oh, I just put my head in that and blow. It was just so good. It was just so good. And honestly, at the end of that, I was just so full. I had no idea that there was so much more. That I hadn't even seen it. That I hadn't even smelled it somehow. I mean, but then... All of a sudden, the door opens, and out it comes, and you just have no idea. You have no idea what the Lord has prepared for us. So why is it that we, that there's a part of us that, that, that worries, that, that, you know, what if, what if, you know, something's not there? What if my pet's not there? What if I'm not married? I mean, I'm just telling you, I'm telling you, let, let it go. Because what the Lord has planned for you, what he has prepared for you, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and your mind, you can't even imagine. In his presence, there is fullness of joys. You have no idea. I really want to go. I really want you to go with me. Let's pray.